I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Brooko Mode for the 10th episode. I'm joined by Johnson Dorbany. Hey guys, nice to be uh Part of the Brocco mode. Brocco mode? Yep. Exciting. Yeah. Um, so I listened to a, another podcast by Will Schofield. It's called Back Chat. And they do this little segment at the start of the show, uh, like a little icebreaker. Yep. So I thought for all my future guests, I'm going to start with like a little bit of a funnier question to ease a bit of the tension, a bit of the interviewing tension. Um, so I got this question. Actually, firstly, um, you grew up. On a dairy farm in Northcliffe? Yeah, that's right. Which yep. is which is where? Uh, it's down south, about, I'd say, like three and a half hours south of Perth, uh, down in the southwest, like Manjimup, uh, Pemberton sort of area is probably what people know. Yeah. So the question is, how many cows have you milked? <laughs> oh, no. Nah, yeah, sort of. I started milking when I was say like six or seven and then um yeah until i went away to boarding school uh so i would have yeah i don't know 10 15 20 000, i don't know a lot <laughs> Jesus. But, uh, yeah i not as much as my brother and my, and my other siblings because i didn't get back home to the farm as much but yeah a few of my time so if you didn't know they run banister downs some of the best high quality milk yeah, i've ever shout tasted out banister downs right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so obviously you're very successful rower so far. Um, so how did you? Obviously you started your rowing journey at Hale, but how did that? How did that start? Well, um, way back at the start, we had the sort of the year nine rowing coach, um, Father Dougals. He was the chaplain as well, and uh, he had a link with Perth College. And my sister was rowing at Perth College, sort of before me, and she was quite handy. Um, like you know we were genetically quite big um, and strong so he sort of gave me a nudge and was like like come on 
you should have a go at this, like your sister's doing well. Um, so I'd kind of, I wasn't really in any high-level summer sport. Um, I'd played footy sort of all through my life and then soccer um, uh, in the summer at home, but obviously it's a winter sport in Perth. Uh, so I was like in the seas cricket and seas basketball and having a lot of fun, but um, yeah, sort of the competitive side wasn't, wasn't there for me. So um, yeah, I went down to the shed and sort of yeah fell in love with it partly at the start because I was like stronger and able to put my best effort out which was quite quite enjoyable and I've like enjoyed that feeling um and then yeah from there it sort of kick-started the the passion for it yeah I, I do remember playing um cricket early days and I remember facing you in the nets a few times um so Obviously, we've both had our experiences with hail rowing, but what what did you love about the culture of rowing at Hale? Uh, I really enjoyed just like the fact that it was it was such a different environment to the rest of Hale. It was like partly because it was off campus um, so much, like we were down at the sheds, and that was sort of like our area. We um I don't know, there was a lot of also odd units in the rowing group. Like it was sort of drew the weird crowd to an extent, um, and maybe drew the weirdness out of it, like each person's individual traits that they didn't show otherwise. Because I think that sort of, the culture was that people were able to, to put their best best effort out there and often that was expressing sides that other people wouldn't see. So that was probably what I really, yeah, that was something else where there's a, just a different level of understa- understanding each other down in the rowing shed. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. I think people started to get very comfortable with each other and brought out the different sides of each other, which you didn't see. Yeah, well, you end up spending that much time together that <laughs> in the end something has to pop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll go through just quickly some of your um, hail experiences because I'd like to get into some mental side of rowing and stuff. Um, in year 11, you were in the first eight and you won head of the river. Yeah. How, how was that feeling? Uh, that was, yeah, pretty pretty surreal. Um, we were really lucky that year to have, like, sort of... Uh, well, I was really lucky to manage to get into that boat with the guys that I rode with. Um, like, they were all... I think I was the only year 11, and they were all year 12. Um, and, yeah, that year we set out from the start of the year to win. Like, there was seven returners from the year before who came third. And, um, yeah, they were improving as the season went on. We also had a few very talented uh, physically and, and also technically in that boat um, and a great coach in Tim Whittacombe. So from the start, it was sort of, that was the goal to win head of the river um, and everything seemed to align, like got a really good supporting group around us of parents and stuff. Um, and then sort of we were yeah, competitive throughout the season, had a good lane draw um, at the river day. And then also it was the hail by and I remember there was just, an unreal yeah, amount sick. of people down there um, supporting and and yeah, just it just seemed to be one of those times where it it was meant to be um, and yeah, it was one of I remember seeing don't see my dad cry very much, but that day him he was he, uncontrollable <laughs> after yeah and he, he it was yeah it was a real surreal moment for sure. My memory from that day was obviously I finished probably forty five minutes for your race and then. I remember running like from the bank 
and then running like 500 metres to the finish line, like cleaned up a few people on the way. It's <laughs> always part of it. There's so many people. And then there's like a look across the other side and there's like a peloton. There's like hundreds of people on yeah. bikes. Yeah, it's just the noise. Like I was down there again um, for the last head of the river, uh, like a couple well, a month ago now. And it's just, it's a diff, it's just because you, you're used to rowing in quiet so much with no one there. And also because it doesn't have that same traction as a lot of other sports, when you get to such a big event, you know, like ahead of the river, like even, you know, a world champs, it's it's just a different feeling because you're not used to rowing with that noise. that she- And it's not cheering, it's just noise. Like mm. it's just so loud because you're not in that frame of mind to hear it either. It's just, yeah, it's a real, yeah, it just tingles. <laughs> yeah, I remember in our race the next year, when we had about 500 left and we were pushing for that second spot and that's when we made it like a good move at the 750. But, yeah, I remember that, like, when you could start to hear that noise and, fuck, it was just pushes yeah. you to the end, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, what is – this is a bit off, off, off topic, but what do you think is the biggest misconception people have about rowing? Uh, I think a lot of people – maybe it. I would say a lot of people row because, like – they want to like I row because I really enjoy it. Like it's not for anyone else. To any, and once you sort of work that out, then that's when you really get the most out of it. Like I find a lot of people at the start, like and I did as well. Like I rode because like I was good at it to an extent, and I rode because like it it you know was a way to show my parents that I was you know having a go and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of other people were saying like yeah like keep going because you're good at it and I'd say one of the misconceptions is, is you need to like enjoy what you need to enjoy it and and do it because you want to do it not because you think someone wants you to do it yeah um I, I know that's for me I, that might not be for everyone but um yeah definitely for me one of the misconceptions is you've got to know like why you're doing it yeah and and once you find that clear then it becomes a lot more yeah you you get a lot more out of it, I'd say. Yeah, I think because rowing such a niche sport, people yeah. maybe, like you said, the misconception is that people think you're just doing it because you're good at it yeah. rather than or the for fa- fitness yeah. or something. Yeah, which I, I don't know. I guess some people do for fitness and that. And I don't know. It's always got a bit of a weird name to it. But like I know at Hale it was always a bit of an odd sport to do. Like the rowers were always a bit different. But it's not the same everywhere. Like at Trinity it's very different in a lot of schools over east. But – um, I guess it's because it's so different and misunderstood is that's why people are almost oh, I'm not sure why people would want to do that but it's not yeah I don't know it just works for some people I guess yeah so on that sort of note what do you think separates rowing from the other sports that you've done um, I think that well the reason why I do it is because it it really allows me to see where my limit is both like mentally physically um emotionally so it's a really easy way to see what like you like i'm capable of as a person um like you know see if i can do 20 hours of of rowing like training a week and then also continue with my uni and and it's just a really good way when you know you've got 500 meters left of a race and you want to see what you're really made of it's just a really easy way. Well, not an easy way, but like it's a really um, good environment to test yourself and to keep um, pushing yourself to the limit and seeing where your limit is. 
like it's something that I've always said is I want to keep rowing until I find my limit, till I can't like put any more out, can't get any better, can't row any you know stronger or or more more efficiently. Um, and in in that way, it's a very um, good environment for that. Yeah. So that was that sort of links to what I'm trying to find out, which is like what have you learned about yourself yeah. from rowing? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, learning. Yeah, about myself. For sure, it's even though it's a very like it can be a very team orientated sport. Um, I've learnt that yeah, I myself need to make sure that I'm putting like myself forward. You've in a lot of situations. So I've rowed a pair along. When you finish school, you row in smaller boats. So either in the scull or in the pair. So it's scull or sweep. So it's like two oars or one oar. Um, I did a lot of time in the sweep rowing with another pair partner, um, Hayden Coot, for a, for a while. And that was, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Like, I had a lot of fun and um, it was very sort of good for me. But the problem was is Hayden was a very good technical rower. So, like, everything technically that I was doing quite bad, would he would just sort of clean up. So I've learnt sort of myself as an individual, it's very important to keep yourself accountable. Um, and going into the skull this year, I've had to do that because it's only me. And in the end, I've learnt, you know, it is only you. And if you keep trying to look to, you know, blame this and blame that and it's not going to work, even in life in general, like if you look, oh, like I didn't get that job because of this, as opposed to looking inwards and going like, well, no, I didn't, you know, I haven't done enough this year like to put on my resume or I'm not qualified enough or it's it's a good way to go. Instead of going everyone else is the problem, it's, you have to look inwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Especially when we rode in eights, like you can sort of, it sort of gets compensated for your flaws and it sort of averages out a bit. Yeah. But I think it's, like you said, I think it's very empowering when you can take responsibility yeah. for everything and... Well, it's, it's about making yourself the best you can be because the better that you can be, the better the people around you will be. Um, and the same yeah, same goes for in life, I guess. If, if you can be a better person, you're going to often be surrounded with better people and bring those around you up um, as opposed to um, yeah, dragging down. And that's actually another thing that's um, really prominent in the rowing is like some people will try and drag others down around you in the training environment. Um, like, I don't know, with just, like, bad chat and, like, just, like, I don't know, like, tugging on, telling, like, just talk, talking down to people and stuff like that, I guess you could say. And uh, if you can try and bring people up around you, then it makes the whole training environment a lot better and will make you better because the guy next to you is going faster. And if the guy next to you is faster, then you have to be faster to beat him. So in in a lot of ways, that's probably similar to like yeah general general life. If you can get surround yourself with people that want to build you up, then then you're going to get better as yeah, well. Yeah, I love that. I feel like sometimes why people put others down is that it's easier to put someone down than have to push yourself again and compete yeah. with them. And when you're in such a competitive environment, I think that's when they when those environments thrive when there's that healthy standard competition and it's not like working against each other, it's working for each other. 
even though you are competing, but it, yeah. And it's probably similar. Like our year group, I think, was quite good with that at school um, in terms of like it wasn't about, oh, like he's a tryhard or something like that. It was more like this guy's worked hard and he's doing well. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is yeah something that I've sort of prided myself on, trying to be within that, within that training environment. So drawing back to just before we get into some of the post-school stuff, just the last bit on the school stuff just so I can talk about it because this is my favourite rowing memory, obviously. Because the next year you won the Head of the River, then the next year um, you're the only, um, tra- what do you call it, transfer? Returner. Returner, yeah, yeah, to row in the boat next year in the first. And we got second place. We don't have to talk about the season, but um, just in terms of like how it felt because I felt like, I felt like it was a win because of how good was it Christchurch? Yeah, how good yeah, Christchurch yeah. were, and ended up going over east. So that sort of speaks to like talking about your limits before. Like when you reach the, your limits, you can be satisfied and content with that, and that's what it felt like. And that's what I think about rowing. I feel really content because I felt like I got the most out of me and the boat. Yeah, you know? I'd, I'd agree a hundred percent. So I've I've said it. You'll probably hear me. I don't know if you've heard me say it, but yeah, I'll say it. Is yeah, that that next year in year twelve, even though we came second, I think that that was a better result um, in terms of who the crew was, what like how we performed, um, and what we got out of what we had. As you know, we were like probably two foot shorter, uh, probably a kilo or two heavier, not quite as fit, and yeah. we still managed to yeah really put it all out there on head of the river day like that. Yeah, I look back at footage now, knowing what I know about rowing from. 2018 year when we won and yeah we we should have gone a lot faster we just didn't row very well um and i think that's a big thing like it's always with rowing is making sure you put out your best performance um and it's pretty common saying in general but it's really big in rowing because if someone's better than you they're better than you like you can only put out the best that you've got um and it's about trying to make that best that you've got better and yeah in that year 12 year when we came second it was definitely yeah, our best row and and the best performance. I remember walking into the Head of the River dinner that, that day, um, well, that night, sorry, and I was next to Ethan Mann who was rowing in front of me in the boat or behind me, sorry. And, um, yeah, he said, I've, this is the first time I've walked into Head of the River dinner and felt proud. And, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a moment because even though we hadn't won, we'd definitely done ourselves proud by yeah, having a good result. Yeah, that's sick. No, I love that. I haven't heard that one. Um, but yeah, I, I was, I'm definitely proud of that whole experience, and and it just for me, like for how many, how much we sacrificed to row, hours of sleep, all that time we put in, it feels really justified. Like, and I feel like I learned a lot about myself as a person and what it takes to succeed in sport and some of the values you can draw. I've already talking spoken about that rowing experience, but let's get into some some of your post hail rowing stuff. So in twenty nineteen, was that in, in year twelve? Yeah. So that was um obviously yeah. we're doing it in summer, but then this was during the winter. Yeah. You went to the junior world championships yeah. in the Cox four seat. So uh, so Cox four and you're in two seat. Yeah. Do they have a Cox also just before we get into that, what is a Coxon? So, so, people yeah, so for people who don't know, um Coxon is often the, the little guy who uh, really wants to row, but he's just too small um, and, and in school. Or, or some people really look forward to doing it, but um, it's the guy sits up the front of the boat and he will control the boat 
Uh, so he makes calls throughout the race. He steers the boat down the course, and often it's in eight boats, so there's no uh, coxless eights. So every eight has to have a cox just because it's so fast and so powerful. Um, and then there's fours, uh, some uh, during the, in the underage uh, categories in nas- international level, there's Cox fours, um, which, yeah, is four guys and a coxswain. Uh, and, yeah, they're really important to, to the crews that they're in because they can provide a lot of uh, sort of racing mindset throughout the race making calls, yeah. Yeah, and getting everyone – getting like a little power 20 on or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I, I love yeah. that. Um, it was always fun to get in the Cox's seat for a little bit during training yeah. for a little spell. <laughs> but So you got fifth place in that. But take us through – that was your first like experience – um, sort of com- competing yeah, internationally. So take us through a little bit of that, of that experience. So, yeah, it was obviously – so in 2018, I was – after the win, I was put into the WA Pathway Program that we have in WA. Um, so that's the top sort of 20 or 30 schoolboys um, from the PSA group. That's, I think it's 18, actually, um, go into a pathway program, which is uh, – involved with WACE and they support it and send them to junior trials to race against all the other states at schoolboy level. So the top, so Queensland, New South Wales, South Australia send their top 18 and, and you put and you do a bit of seat racing and you put out your best eight and they race, go away and race. So that happened in 2018. And then also, and then because I was involved with WACE from there, I kept I was gymming through WACE through 2018 and kept in touch with the coach and that. And sort of at the start of year 12, they were, we had a couple guys that were first year out of school but still of school age, so they were still junior um, eligible. And then there was myself and Alex Rossi from Trinity who were in school um, but were part, like a part of the Pathways group from the year before. Um, and we did a few camps uh, over the summer break before year 12 and then obviously did our year 12 season. And when Pathways sort of selections came around again, we got told that we were going to be training this four for underage selections, which uh, was very foreign for me for not doing any winter rowing or rowing outside of school. Um, and I, we ended up being successful through that weaker selection um, and getting selected in the Coxed Four with a couple, two boys from uh, Sydney. And, um, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, unreal. It was a really intense week um, and something that I hadn't any, been anywhere near sort of at that level of intensity, like on, you know, trying out for the Australian team. Um, and, yeah, there were two guys from Sydney, both in school and myself and Alex, uh, still in school in WA, so it was complete different sides of the country. Uh, and we did a few camps throughout year 12 um, and then went to yeah, to Tokyo for the Junior World Championships. Um, and, yeah, we, had, we didn't have our best race on the finals day, um, which was a bit of a shame, uh, but that, I'd say, fueled me wanting to row after school. Um, for sure, because I went away there and it was, yeah, it was, it was a whole different experience. Like, it was unreal. There were guys just, like, I was one of the smallest guys there and it was just like, this is this is what I want to do. Like, this is sick. Um, going out and, and, yeah, putting it all on the line and really, like, I was like, 
you know, I thought I was going well, but, you know, there's a whole other element to rowing in terms of finding another another level um, of training. And I was lucky enough in that year, uh, Hamish and Riggs, who rode with me in 2018, well, I rode with him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, in that winning crew, he rode the next year, first year out of school, but again, junior age eligible. And he won at that junior world championships in a, and he was in a very, uh, like one of the be- better junior boats that we've ever sent um, to, to juniors. And yeah, ended up winning at that juniors. And that was, yeah, that was where I saw it is possible. Um, and yeah, someone who's, you know, from Perth, Western Australia can go on the world stage and, and compete for a medal, which is yeah, pretty unreal. Yeah, that was sick. I remember watching some of those races and it was really cool to see you do well there. And obviously that's continued to progress. You you made been training with them for the last five or six years. You've made the two thousand and twenty one team, but obviously yeah, like so you said before. Yeah, COVID were. obviously um interrupted twenty twenty. Uh we didn't have any nationals, any racing um in twenty twenty. Uh so we were sort of training as normal, like preparing for nationals and selection again, this time as an under-21 age guy. Um, but, yeah, COVID sort of stopped all of those plans a week before nationals, um, which, yeah, it that was, in hindsight, quite a positive thing for me because it meant that I wasn't just sort of rolling into the next year. It was a time to sort of sit back and go, like, you know, do I really want to do this? Um, or do I want to try and, you know, do really well at my uni, continue on, get a job and, and get into into life and um, doing what I want to do outside of sport. Uh, and and I went away and I, I actually got to spend probably three months on the farm uh, during that lockdown sort of in and out of lockdown period. And I was training down there still and then came back and, yeah, I was reinvigorated um, and training really, really well. And physiology had moved a lot just from training well on the farm. Um, what did you do on the farm? Ergo, uh, ergo running, cycling. I've set up a bit of a, a bit of a gym, makeshift yeah. gym with some tires, and, <laughs> and yeah, it was a bit of uh, sort of rocky, <laughs> rocky esque. No, nah, it was good. Um, and then yeah, because I was, I had that time to sort of sit back and think. I yeah, I was like, nah, like this is what I want to do. And yeah, that was where it first really started. Like, it was all a bit surreal and just kept rolling through the juniors. But then I was like, nah, like, I want to be pushing myself as good as I can be. And then, yeah, it rolled into, so obviously, end of 2020, um, we got told, like, we will be selecting for Australian team again, um, but there will be no travel. So 2021 was uh, all done in Australia. Uh, I was quite lucky in having a very good ergo uh time so i was sub six uh that year which gave me an invite to under 23 trials so off the back of racing under 21s i could still go to 23 trials and yeah went away to trials i didn't have the greatest week at trials um i was just quite quite young i was a fair bit younger than a lot of other guys and just didn't have the same rowing experience like as the other guys around me and didn't row as well um, which led me to sort of, uh, yeah, to, to no, I got selected in the Cox Four again, which that year was the bottom sweet boat. Yeah. So it was 
you know, I was still selected in the Australian team, but it wasn't what I what I wanted to achieve. Um, and then we yeah raced in uh, Queensland and uh, Adelaide, and I did a stint again in Sydney with the same one of the same guys that was in my junior team. Uh, and yeah, had it had a lot of fun and, and sort of learnt a lot um, about how to interact with with crew boats. Uh, just because in WA we've got less rowers and we don't take out crew boats as much, um, so that was a lot of learning in terms of interacting with um, other people in a crew boat situation. Yeah, and then yeah, and then that, and then at the end of that year, I was kind of yeah, I was put off a little bit because we didn't have the greatest um, sort of campaign, even though it didn't didn't matter because we weren't rowing like on a world stage or anything. So it wasn't quite as intense. It just wasn't um, as, as well as I thought I could perform. Uh, so I had a bit of time off and made sure, like just did a really good semester of uni after that in the second year of 2021, a uh, second semester, sorry, of 2021. And then um, when I came back, I was, yeah, again, ready to ready to go at it and, and have another go. Um, which in terms of, with the rowing, you have to make sure that you keep up your training load. Uh, otherwise, then if you have a high peak, like high spike in training after not doing much, you'll get injured. So, of course, me, you know, being a bit younger and, and not knowing that, I, that happened to me. So I sort of got back into training and was training really well, um, getting like a lot of training done with a few senior guys that were trying to make it into the senior team that year. Um, so I was training with guys that were stronger than me. Um, and it put my body under a lot of load, and I ended up getting a uh, a uh, what do you call it? Uh, sorry, uh, bulged. Strain? Yeah, it was a bulged disc in my back, um, aggravated disc. It was sorry, and that sort of put me out from December through to mid January, um, which is sort of two months before nationals, which is the main like selection event. Um, so I did well to get back into the pair again. Uh, that year and we went trained really hard and, and went well uh at nationals and ended up i think we ended up fifth in the a final which um booked booked a ticket to trials uh but i managed to get covid during that during that week which uh meant that i had to spend a week in melbourne in a hotel without any training gear or anything and we'd also, being from WA, we hadn't, like, I hadn't had COVID. None of the, none of us had had it. And we didn't really know how to deal with it with training. Mm. Um, so just the fact of having two, like, you know, sort of nationals, a week of COVID, it's like two weeks of no training. You're not actually getting any fitness gain. And then trying to build back into it slowly without having any of the sort of side effects that has been seen with when you get COVID. So... For trials, we were just yeah nowhere near yeah. what fitness we should be, um, and then yeah that was that was a pretty short week for me that year, which yeah it, that's when it really really fueled me. It was like I've just trained sort of six eight months of the year to come and spend three days at trials, and then that was like no nah, like that's not I'm gonna make sure I'm never in that position again, where even if everything goes so I was like going forward. I want to put myself in the best possible position I can be in, um, which is, yeah, where I went this year in terms of going, like, so I think it was I had 
three weeks, four weeks off. And I went, no, nah, like I'm going in the skull and I'm going to train as well as I can in that skull to put myself in the best position to be selected again. And then when that happens, it means that I'll be selected in a good boat in, in the boat that I want to be in and hopefully compete on the world stage kind of thing. So that was a big yeah, mindset change. Yeah, that's fascinating insight into that into your journey over the last few years. So that has led to you then getting selected. Yeah, so yeah, this, this year. year. So you made so there's an under twenty one team, under twenty three, and there's it open? So yeah, so the way it works in the Australian system well in the world system, so there's a junior team, which is pretty much first year out of school if you're an early birthday or or year twelve. Um in Australia, and then there's under twenty one team, which is between like between the age like if you got to be like nineteen or twenty, yeah. um, and then under twenty three team is like twenty one or twenty two. But if you're a very good under twenty one, then you'll be put into the twenty three team, which um, does happen quite regularly. Uh, there is quite a few under twenty ones in a twenty three team, uh, and yeah, and then there's the Olympic team, which is the open team. Uh, which is yeah senior A kind of thing yeah yeah so you're going over to when when's that uh, so we will be competing in Plovdiv Bulgaria in uh, I think it's the twenty I want to say twenty seventh of July twenty fifth to twenty seventh yeah um yeah and yeah that's what we're training for at the moment so I've got a guy from uh, Victoria and a guy from South Australia and then Alex Rossi again who is with the junior team um, over here at the moment training in a quad. You've been with him for a lot. Yeah, well, he's, <laughs> he's sort of been the, yeah, me and him have always, we came in together and been training alongside for a long time now. So what are you most looking forward to in, in that sort of experience? Um, I'm just really, yeah, it, we're really lucky, again, yeah, because of that way I went about it and went, nah, like I want to put myself in the best position I can. It's meant that, the guys that I'm with are yeah, very talented. Um, so Harry Fox from Victoria, he was in Hamish's double at juniors. So he's world champion. He's made, I think, an under-21 team, 23 team last year. Uh, he went to Italy in the Coxed Four. And then this year he's come across to Sculling again and he's in the quad with me. And then Rossi's also made a team each year. Um, and so is Nick Blackman, but he's a year younger. So um, they're all very talented guys and it's. I'm just looking forward to working with them. Um, and we've sort of been, I think it's three weeks that everyone's been over here in, in Perth. Um, and yeah, it's it's a different training environment because they're, they've got, the, everyone's got their own ways about going about things. But these guys are all, like everything that you see, they're doing right, um, which is just really enjoyable to be around because it pushes you similar to what I was saying before, when the guys around you are better, it pushes you to be better. So like this morning we have our monitoring morning monitoring on a Tuesday, so we do 1,500-metre pieces. So this morning we had 10 pieces. Uh, and, yeah, every single one of them is like bow ball to bow ball, the whole piece, because everyone is, you know, pushing to be at that top level. Was it two fours or? No, so in singles. Singles. Yeah, yeah so we're all oh, in that's singles. That's isn't it? So, yeah, it was bow ball to bow ball, like every piece competing because everyone is, you know, doing the best that they can do. And it's just a different sort of a training environment to what I've been in in the past where 
it's also the fact that we're all, you know, had very good years and, and that's also a big factor. But, yeah, the fact that everyone is able to compete at that level is, is really enjoyable. Yeah, that's sick. So everyone in these sort of teams, what, is everyone going sort of sub six in their 2K? So there's Harry Fox is sub six, but it's also obviously weight dependent, yeah, like how true. much muscle you have. Yeah. So like my PB is 554, which is, uh, and then the, the slowest is 604, is yes, no, that, 60, that's slow. yeah, 607, yeah, slow. sorry, <laughs> in, the, um, in, the, yeah, in our quad, uh, which... Like, I think power to weight-wise, I think I might even be lower. I think I'm lower than sort of the guy who's 607 because he's only... Watts. So they look at watts. Yeah, watts to weight. Yeah, we sort so, of did that, didn't we? Yeah. So he was 83 kilos Yeah. At, when he did it, or 80 kilos or yeah. something. Yeah. So uh, I remember my best ever was a 640, and that's like nearly a mi- like 45 yeah. seconds, which is unbelievably like... That's a huge amount of time. I remember, um, was it Hamish who got a 608? Yeah. And I remember when he did that, I did like a 710. And I'm just like, holy fuck. <laughs> and I think he, the next best was that was like 620, 625. Yeah, six, yeah I think. Gus, yeah. Jesus Christ. That's, everyone going around 605, that's, um, it's sort of similar to like running times, I guess. Like Yeah, it is similar to the 2K running. Like I think. If you can do a si- sub six, like not many people. Well, can. I can't do that, but... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think yeah, it's that's probably the best way to sort of gauge it, I guess. Yep. So I'll play my little sound segment, try this on the audio thing. I think this is the right one. Stop pop pop. Alright, so I got some some questions here. It is a stop for pop. So I got a question from my pop and then I got a few questions from some other people. And I'll give them your names so you'll know who they are. Um so my pot's question is, rowing takes a lot of discipline and time. What other activities do you have that gives you the opportunity to relax and get away from the demanding schedule of training and rowing competitively? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a very big one that I, yeah, I'm not too bad at, but there's definitely some people that, yeah, it's like if you have a bad session in the morning, then their day is like not great. And that's just the nature of, of the sport because, like I spend, I think last week I did 20 hours of like exercise, not including gym. So you end up spending about 30 to 35 hours around the sheds, around the gym, um, around the same people. And it's about trying to make sure that you have a switch on, switch off button. Um, so I, yeah, I'm trying, I need to get better at it. But yeah, it's what I'm trying to work on is the switch on, switch off. So like I'll go fishing. I'm obviously, I'm doing uni as well. Uh, so um, I've got three units left of a commerce degree at UWA. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I've worked as well, but not very much at the Swanbourne Fish Bar. Um, but what I one sort of tactic that I use is I go home to the farm for a weekend. So I'll try and take like a, either a Monday morning off or a, like a Saturday morning and go to the farm for two or three nights. And... Um, yeah, just get away from the environment and that I find sort of resets you and grounds you uh, back and you think things that you think are important aren't anymore. But um, like things that you think that are important back in Perth just aren't quite as important as you thought they were. Uh, and that works for me, but obviously that's not going to be everyone's because they don't have that opportunity. Uh, a lot of people will try and like 
use going out and that sort of a thing uh, for a release, um, which can be quite negative. Like it's sort of a short term, as I'm sure you've heard, like sort of short term band aid fix. Um, but I think a big one is just yeah, reducing like reducing screen time is probably a big one uh, in the rowing environment. If you can try and reduce the screen time and allow yourself to reflect a bit more um that's good and then getting out into nature uh is another one and it's hard because a lot of people's releases are exercise and that's almost what we're trying to release from so sometimes i'll go for like a cycle instead of i don't know instead of a run or a row or something like that and that's what i quite enjoy doing um but yeah it's different for everyone but yeah it's really important to find an environment outside of rowing to to get a reset button yeah no that's really cool i think they're all very positive sort of sort of things outside of rowing to ground yourself and get a bit of perspective which is really which is really necessary because i reckon when you're always switched on like it's so mentally draining people don't take that into account like obviously you're not physically training but mentally it takes a lot of energy out of you and it's the same thing as like nerves and sometimes you overthink races and you get to the race and you're cooked mentally and then it's like can be hard to switch on so being able to do that really quick i think is important um so i got a few this one's just hello from harry salfinger it says hi from the junior trial boys <laughs> yeah now there's a few so they're obviously going through junior trials at the moment um in sydney uh so there's four guys and oh no sorry six guys and Two girls from WA, three girls from WA. Um, they're going over what we did in 2019. And, yeah, I think they're a very good chance of getting selected. And it's, yeah, exciting for those young guys coming through. Yeah. So next one here from Riley Rees Turner. It yep. says, how does it feel to be in the shadow of Alex Rossi? <laughs> yeah, mate, it's good. No, it's the, the thing with Rossi is so we have a sort of quite a good relationship and we – Again, he's one of those guys that brings everyone else up around him. So this year, like, I was lucky enough to train alongside him because, like, this year he was the top under-23 sculler um, and I was training alongside him the whole year. So I had that, you know, I knew that I had that level that I needed to be at. Um, and I got close to beating him but didn't quite do it. Um, and, yeah, it's it's good. It's really good to have someone at that level where you right, aside, right beside you where, you know, if you're behind, you're not, you're not going fast enough, so you've got to try and find a way to get to get better. Yeah. yeah. So I've got one from Darcy Sparks. It says, does he rank himself as Wembley Downs Junior Football Club's best ever fullback? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say best ever. I think, I think there's a, uh, a few that, yeah, no, nah, Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. Yeah, I play in the back line now. Yeah, yeah. So I used to, obviously when I went to play with Hale, played, yeah. played in the forward, forward line. line. I've been playing back, back last now. two years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Men's, yeah depa- nah. men's department, isn't it? No, nah, there was. It's yeah. It's it's where the hard. You know, the people that are hard, yeah. they go back there. Nah. It's made me hard going to the back line. It used to be a little softy in the forward line. Now you got to do the hard stuff. Um, got we've got three here from Mickey Williams Jr. He's given us yeah. a couple. First one is who inspires the man. Ah. Uh, yeah, there's Alex Rossi. He does inspire me, even though I'm working alongside him. Um, yeah, no, like the ability. So he's shorter than me, smaller than me, lighter than me, but just the sheer tenacity he brings to like every training session. Like 
The thing with Ross is whenever whenever he's done, you won't know until he can't take another stroke. So he'll give 100% all the way up until he is like completely got nothing left. Kind of and you won't notice it until he fully fin- like is blown up. Yeah. Um so he just gives everything 100%. He's also studying uh biomedical science uh and trying to become a doctor and yeah, has managed to do that all the way through while rowing on multiple Australian teams. Uh which is really really impressive. Um, another one is yeah my like mum and dad just the sheer the hard work that they've put in over the years and the support that they've given me like it's yeah they they really do yeah I look up to them a lot yeah just through like the hours that they've put in with the business and and also while always having time for us yeah. um, it's yeah something that I always sort of want to be like yeah yeah, yeah I love that. And they're legends because I remember going home with about 20 little milk packets. <laughs> no, that's the good stuff. The <laughs> uh, second question is, oh, we sort of covered this, but if you have a, just a little short answer for him because you might want you to get back to him, he says, how does he maintain the passion? So, uh, How do I maintain the passion? Um, uh, well, it's similar. Yeah, obviously I've said like I want to work out what my what my limit is, but also it's a great environment to be in. Just It's like you know, you're going out. You know, I was out there on the morning this morning. It was dead calm, mill pond water. Winter like, rowing, yeah. Winter rowing for you, exactly. We winter, didn't really have yeah. that, do we? No, not not a hell. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just like it's such a great environment. Great people, like they're all like minded. You know, they want to do the same stuff that I'm doing. Um, and just yeah, the ability to to hang around great people is also what's keeping me passionate about it. And his last one here is. Favorite item on the F and C menu is that fish and chip? Menu? Yeah. So he's someone who works with you. No, he's he's a Swans member, so oh, he okay. rows at my club right. as well. <laughs> um, favorite item, uh, you can't go past a good potato scallop. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'll just ask you a couple more questions just before we get into you asking me a question to wrap it up. Um, sort of like from a mindset point of view, you're talking about pushing your limits and stuff like that. What interests me is like how do you not become too much of a perfectionist with all that? Because I feel like you're never going to have a perfect race or no. you're never going to have the perfect technique, but you're still trying to get as, achieve like as, as high a stand as you, you can, can yeah. without like putting too much pressure on that and being too negative about that. Because like it's the same thing applies to any sport. Like I want to see how good I can be, but you don't want to be too like negative and critical of yourself and finding that balance. So how do you do that? So obviously like we have like season meetings, um, each year and we'll sort of set out goals uh, for what is possible and what we want to achieve. Um, the other thing is I naturally am quite a big, like a big picture sort of guy. Like I I'm, need to get better at, you know, being in the moment and making, like getting the most out of that moment because I'm quite relaxed in my rowing in terms of going like there's always a chance to do it tomorrow. Like there'll be another chance kind of thing. Um, so in terms of making sure I don't get too intense in trying to get the perfect stroke, just like I keep pretty realistic. Um, I do like like to think I'm realistic and um, that's probably the most important way to, to make sure that you don't get too intense, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I think I've, have an opposite experience, but I feel like I'm getting more realistic because I feel like, like we talked about before, it's a lot of it's internal, isn't it? Like if you can... Well, it's about knowing yourself as well, like what you're capable of, um, and yeah, knowing knowing where you 
you know, what you're capable of stops and what is impossible starts. Um, I think that's quite important. And that's just going to be, you know, I've been doing this for a lot of years now, so I know where, where I sit on that um, and, and what I am capable of. Yeah. But also not being afraid to, to go for it. And then, you know, that's the way that we find out what you're capable of. Embrace the uncertainty, as the yeah. motto of the show is. Um, so we talked about how you said, like, you want to see you push your limits and stuff like that. Do you have any uh, physical goals in terms of, like, want to achieve, like, this medal or anything like that? Or is it more just, like, you want to push your limit and what comes comes with? Yeah, it's a hard one with medals and results. You, It's a hard one because you don't know what your competition is going to be until you get there. Like, you can obviously know, you know, if I go sub 540 in the quad that, you know, we're going to, to Worlds with, that'll put us in a really good spot to compete on the podium. But you never know because there could be some, you know, guys from Eastern Europe that have just been training since they're six in this quad. And, like, you never know, they, you know. But the goal is to, yeah, just make sure that we're prepared as the best crew in the world. If we can prepare as the best in the world, then that's going to put us in the best position on the day to have our best race. Um, and then that's the goal, really, to have our best race on the day. Um, but instead of just going broad, overarching, have our best race on the day, it's about, yeah, the individual, how do we break that down? So, like, today I need to make sure that after my session this morning I was eating as soon as I get off the water, done my stretching straight after, get a bit of a nap in before coming here, and then... When I head home, I'll make sure I have some food before the session this afternoon um, and making sure that in the moment, in the session, that you know, I'm working on making sure I get my ha- arms you know, away and straight before I rock my body over and, and simple things like that all the way up to making sure that we you know, push in the 500 metre to go of the final in, in Bulgaria kind of thing. So it's, yeah. Yeah, I love that. You're sticking to your, the process and yeah. trying to stay present with every day because I feel like once if you if you do what the right things every day and focus on that, like like I said, the bigger picture stuff will take care of itself. And also, like you said, there's no point having goals about medals and stuff when that can be reliant on circumstance and other people when if you can get the most out of you, then you can be more. Well, it's like classic like goal-setting theory. Like you've got to have realistic goals and – achievable like something that's a goal as a medal is it's achievable but you don't know if it's like you don't know what the competition might be so unless you know the competition then obviously that's a goal but like so that's what my goal was this year to you know my goal was to try and beat Rossi didn't manage to do it but like it was achievable and I knew where it was so yeah yeah, yeah I love that yeah. so last one I got for you here is I don't know if we've touched on it but what has been the proudest moment of your career so far? Mm, that's a hard one. Could be individually. I, I, I reckon individually. You've been a lot of teams with a yeah. bit of success. But individually, when, when have you reflected and thought, yeah, um, that's, 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 a good fucking, one. that's fucking good. I'm happy with that. Yeah, well, I'd say probably my best race. So, yeah, the proudest race that I've had so far uh, would be Probably in 2021 in the in Tasmania in the men's under 21 pair uh, was with yeah Hayden and we came third in the under 21 pair. That was probably my 
best race considering all the circumstances kind of thing. Um, and quite proud of that. And then also this year in the men's skull at, at New South Wales States, which is the selection regatta for trials, uh, I came third again. Um, but, yeah, I was that was my best. That was sort of the fastest time I'd done by three or four seconds seconds in those sort of conditions. Um, and, yeah, I put down a really good result and I was really, really proud of that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I love that. So to finish up, um, I've asked you to give me a question. Um, I, I normally ask my guests to give me a question and it can be can be as simple, as small as big. I've had a bit of variety with this and yeah. I, it's just good to – obviously I asked you, I've asked you probably 20 questions. It's good to get me to have yeah. a think for once. Have a bit of a chat. Yeah. No, I think um, – well, I was thinking about going to ask you like why you started this, but I would like to know – where you think that this will go? Like, where do you, what's your goals with the, the podcast? Yeah, it's a great question. I haven't really had one to do with the podcast like that. I think similar to, like, your rowing, I think there's no point me setting, like, a yeah. I want to be this with the yeah, podcast yeah. or saying I think it's one of those things, like you said, I really enjoy it. So that's the one thing. Um, also, it links in really well with the sort of, career path I'm going down so it's really complementary to what I want to learn and achieve um I think if I can give you an answer it would be cool to with this podcast for me to do a hundred of these and just you know just like be consistent with it because anyone can start things for me I'd love to be able to like at least say I had a crack with it like I know I've done 10 now but I don't think I think I'd have to do it for a lot longer for me to be really happy that I've had a go with it because I don't just want to be that person who did a little podcast for a few things. Like I want to keep learning about how to best do this. I've upgraded my audio. I'm still continually trying to improve how I interview and how I learn from people. I find it really rewarding to talk to people and learn about them and their how they go about it. So, yeah. Well, I'd say, yeah, it's been really easy to, to chat with you the yeah. way you've been interviewing, which is good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's pretty much. That's everything. I, I haven't been thinking too much about it, but like I just sort of just get it get it done and enjoy it. And like like you said, it's it's easier to do things when you enjoy them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Thanks for coming on. It's been great chat, and it's good to see you. And uh, it's always good. I'll be following your um following your journey, and yep. hopefully it keeps progressing from here. And then you know, you never know. In like a, a few years or so, or six months, who knows? We can catch up again and. Go through, guys. Yeah, go through some of your, your new experiences. But yeah, thanks for coming and That's right. thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So research, try and find, but you don't know where to go. So many thoughts flood through your mind. You're confused and want to know. Mystery, what is to be? So much more than meets the eye. Listen to me, time is your key. You'll find out by and by. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.